Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. needed family time, so he's asked me to bring the word this morning, and we're going to do just that. That is the beauty of apostolic governance. It is just that. It's governance. The, the apostle gets the vision from God. He imparts it into the body, and they govern. He and God govern it together. They don't try to control. The Holy Spirit has his way through the apostle, and that's what this church operates in, and I'm thankful for that. We don't try to contain God. We don't try to regulate God. We allow him to govern his church, and that's, that's what we should be doing. So here we are today. The apostle of the house has asked me to come up here and, and bring the word, and that's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a good time, and the Holy Spirit's going to have his way with things because it's always good stuff when God's in charge. Uh, before we get started, where's Keith Markle? Keith, how is your father doing? Yeah, that's good stuff. This is this is the guy they called the family in on last week. Didn't give him much of a chance, but he's a fighter and he's got a good a good strong guy fighting for him. So I want to talk to you today about uh, some eyesight from heaven. That's what God has loaded into my heart here lately. He and I have talked back and forth about it quite a bit, and there it is. Um, the passage we're going to look at it's going to come out of the book of Acts it's Acts 7 verses 54 through 60 if you'd like to turn there and as promised I can feel it getting cooler already Ira so thank you for that Let's pray before we read the word of God. Lord, thank you this morning that your family has gathered here once again to hear your truth brought forth by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, I'm just going to step out of the way. We know that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish the thing into which you send it in a way that's pleasing to you, God. So as has been stated over and over again this morning, Lord, we just want you to have your way in here. We want to receive what you're doing, and we love you for it. We thank you for the finished work of the cross always in his mighty name, that of Jesus Christ, we say amen. 
All right, we're going to look at Stephen. This is a guy God has burdened my heart with here lately. So at Acts 7, verse 54, here's what the Bible has to say about it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. So, Stephen is the guy that Jesus gave a standing ovation to. His name actually means crowned, a sign of royalty. And he was fell upon by a bunch of people that could really only be described as being spiritually insane for calling out a spirit of religion. You know, he just, he had his gaze on what counted, though. It didn't really matter what went on around him. His spiritual eyes were better than 2020. Things look crazy to us sometimes in the natural. They make no sense. They may even directly contradict what's happening spiritually because the spiritual is so far ahead of the natural. The spirit realm governs the natural. Things take place there before they ever happen here. And spiritual authority equates to authority in the natural. When God desires to uplift you, he first examines your spirit, man. If you go back just a little bit from what I read, Stephen had just preached one fiery sermon and the council looked upon him and his face had actually been changed to that of an angel. God had examined Stephen, had measured him out, judged him, found him to be worthy, and he was ushered into the heavenlies before the first rock was ever thrown at him. God looked at Stephen's spiritual being and found it good. It was pleasing in his sight. So with all of this craziness going on around him, Stephen was way better off than it appeared that he was. Verse 55 says, but being full of the Holy Spirit, a better translation is lacking nothing from the Spirit. To be completely covered, to have every available surface, like this stage is covered in carpet. Stephen was covered in the Holy Ghost. Like I said, he just preached one fiery sermon. Read it sometime. You'll see what kind of zone he was in. And these people around him couldn't stand it. It incited them to violence because he'd called them out in their religious spirit. These people were spiritually blind, which is a very dangerous thing. You can't see anything 
you can't see any spiritual truth at all when you're spiritually blind. It doesn't matter who's trying to present it to you. Stephen, me, God himself in the, per, in the person of Jesus Christ, they weren't receiving anything. They were blind spiritually. And if you're blind, there's also a good chance that you're spiritually deaf and you don't want to hear the truth. Or you may not even be able to hear the truth. These were the people that had Emmanuel, God with us. They weren't hearing any of that. They couldn't understand what was happening because of their weak spiritual senses. Then, just before all of this, the day of Pentecost came. I really hope that I can go back and look at that when we get to heaven. Because I, I believe that you'll be able to. Since God doesn't operate in time and isn't constrained by it, I believe it'll just be like a geographic thing where you walk over there and look into it. Yeah, that's going to be something. Watching the, the Holy Spirit fall like that. Probably one of the coolest things that's ever really happened. People were walking around with fire coming out of their heads. You know, the miracles start following immediately. The church is being added to at a phenomenal rate because of these sermons that the apostles are preaching. Nobody can deny that God's moving, but still some of them don't even see it as that. Some of them don't want to see it as that. You know, I don't know what they were seeing spiritually right then, but I know what they weren't seeing. They were completely oblivious to what God was doing right there in their very midst. They had no vision at all. You know what that means. Proverbs 29, 18, we all know it probably. The King James Version says the people perish. The NASB actually says that they're unrestrained and it leads to their downfall. And it's not talking about being free of bondage. It's talking about being off the chain where there's no vision. People run amok. No self-control. They feed their indulgences. They feed their flesh. Yeah, that's ugly. Let me just tell you that whatever you've got going on in the flesh right now, it's not going to sustain you. Now, there's nothing wrong with being concerned with your health or your appearance or, any, or being a good steward of the things that God has blessed you with. Don't hear me wrong. But these aren't the things that are going to last forever. It's going to end one day. One way or another, I promise you, it's going to end. Now, can you imagine having reached this point and realizing that you have banked everything on what you've seen with your natural eyes? with your carnality, that's going to be rough. So back to Stephen. <laughs> His physical eyes saw, I'm really making these people mad. I'm offending these people. And then his natural eyes saw a rock. Ow. It hurt. Now, right here in this moment, he had a big decision to make. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. My guys look at it on the little 
metal necklaces we sell. We've even got a shirt like an eye chart. Do you walk by faith or do you walk by sight in that instant? Supernatural or natural? Remember, he'd already looked into the spiritual in verse 55 and was lacking nothing in the Holy Ghost. He'd seen Jesus. Jesus was saying, look up here. Keep your eyes right here and you'll be fine. If you walk by sight, you'll end up somewhere crazy. I promise you. You'll end up somewhere beaten down. You'll end up somewhere you don't want to be. And why is that? Because if you're blind spiritually, you are completely at the mercy of whatever demon is just playing you right then. You are completely oblivious to what God is trying to do in your life. Your spiritual being isn't connected to God at all. And think about it. God is the source of all life. If you're not plugged into the source, you're dead. There's no third option. There's no middle ground. You're either connected to God and you're trying to get more life or you're dead. You're either walking towards or working towards making Jesus stand up or you're dead. Now this wasn't a thing that was done lightly. Jesus to stand up and look down upon Stephen and the heavens to open and him to get a glimpse of that. That took some heavy approval from God. And I'll just tell you this morning, you can have that approval. You can see into the heavenlies just like Stephen did because he's no respecter of persons. Anything that he's done for one of us, he'll do for, for any of the rest of us. That's just how he is. But to be spiritually blind at a time like that, that'd be rough. What if Stephen had went blind? He could have just as easily said, that rock hurt. Carnality. Getting caught up in what's going on in your surroundings. Or your circumstances. Or your environment. Watching people instead of him. Sure, the rock hurt. It was a rock. They meant for it to hurt. Sure, those words hurt. The person that spoke that death over you meant for them to hurt. What did it really hurt, though? Your feelings? Your pride? People with strong spiritual vision, though, they say don't hold this sin against them, just like Stephen did right here. I've got bigger things going on with you, Lord. Don't hold this sin against them. They intercede for the blind around them. Why do they do that? Because people with, like, spiritual eagle eyes, they realize that people are hopeless in their condition if you don't give them a glimpse of God. It'll never get any better for those people. If they keep on doing the same thing that they've been doing and saying the same things that they've been saying and throwing the same rocks that they've been throwing, there'll never be any change. There'll never be any growth unless someone gives them a glimpse of heaven. And you can do that. 
a little rough sometimes. But the people with vision, they have to do that. You've got to realize that the people that act like that, they're not looking for him. They're definitely not looking at him. And you need to try to shift their vision. You need to help them with their eyesight. You need to understand that the eyesight from heaven is what's going to get us all through this. Keeping your vision strong enough to be any benefit to anybody else is important. Prophecy is God's declaration of what he's trying to give us in the natural, the divine blueprint. A spoken prophetic word, it germinates in the spirit, but it has to be cultivated in the natural, if you can wrap your head around that. Just think on it a minute, I promise you'll get it, because that's how it works. It incubates in the spiritual, but it has to be birthed down here, meaning it's up there, but you have to pull it down with prayer. If you've got a prophetic word hanging over your life and it's not happening, you probably need some help with somebody that doesn't really, it's, I'm not going to call it better vision, but you're probably going to need some help from somebody that can see a little farther down the road. You know, the Bible talks about watchmen a lot. Ezekiel has chapter 33. Some people call it the watchman chapter. A really good literal translation of that is someone who's leaning forward like this so they can see a little bit farther. And that's what mature Christians are. They're the watchmen to the rest of them out there. They're the ones that are willing to just lean over and peer into the distance and say, God, your word is going to come to pass. I know it is. But God, your words are not automatic. They don't have to manifest if you stop looking at him. Sometimes we hold God responsible for that. Yeah, he's faithful to make all things come to pass, but remember which realm he's in. Remember where he's at with this. He's not spending time worrying about worldly things. He's not spending time worried about who's throwing rocks at him. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, the rest of that verse says, without faith it's impossible to please him. So what would you really give to somebody that's looking the other direction and won't even pay any attention to you? That can jam up a word that somebody has released over your life. God has every intention of fulfilling it, but you won't hold your end up and pray it down here. In Hosea 4, 6, God actually speaks to the prophet and says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Actually, the vision that God gave me with that was that of a faucet. Because in the Hebrew, it actually means my people are cut off, just shut off. And a better Hebrew word for that is my people are actually cut off from lack of discernment. Now what is discernment? True discernment. Not being, I'm talking about true discernment. Because sometimes we use discernment as an excuse to be critical. Yeah, my discernment told me this and you might want to pray for them. And I'm not even going there with that. Because I've heard some really bizarre explanations or definitions of people's discernment. But true discernment from God will always be followed with what the Holy Spirit wants to do to move in that direction. 
true discernment. If you have true discernment and God is speaking that to you, the Holy Spirit will always tell you what he wants to do to rectify that, what he wants to do to correct that, what he wants to do to get you on that path. That's true discernment. And that's what Hosea was saying. My people are destroyed for lack of being able to see what I'm trying to do right here, for how I want to fix this for you, for how I want to come into this situation and move on your behalf. That's true discernment, being able to see. That's true vision from heaven. So people who are under the faucet, wide open. Some of us like it under there. We get under the faucet and want to rip the knob off. That's where I'm at with him. I love it. Pour it out, God. People who are under the faucet, wide open like Stephen. We have an obligation to others. The rocks hurt. They beat us up carnally. The nails hurt. What do you do in those moments? People caught up in carnality. They're merciless. They can be brutal. What did Stephen do with it? He began to intercede for them. Jesus began to intercede and raise the bar supremely high. Both of these guys also threw some praise in there too. And Stephen, look at this. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus knelt on a cross, starts quoting Psalms 22. As a Jew, he was probably singing it. That's a right now word for somebody. If you can offer up some praise in the middle of your flesh being killed off, if you'll just take a few minutes and say, it may look like right now things are crazy, it may look like I'm done for, but if we'll just wait just a minute and we'll stand on what God said. If you'll give me just a minute, we'll see what the Holy Ghost is going to do in this. Whew! Now think about that. He's got the final say in everything, I promise you. God incarnate. Up there releasing more God into the situation. Now what could stand against that? Really and truly, the Logos word, speaking the Rima word, hell never stood a chance. It was a God overload. Strongholds crumbling. Death defeated. A new covenant. Things would never be the same again. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's some good eyesight. Somebody can carry that out of here with them today. Somebody can walk that out today. That what they've got going on may look absolutely ridiculous in the physical. It may look like the end of things for you, but it doesn't have to be. I promise you. I'm a living testimony of it. We talk about line of sight sometimes. It's like a driving term. got good line of sight that's what like uh, traffic engineers use to determine the speed limits and things like that 
I'm not sure what the exact distance is, but if the distance is you know good enough, they'll raise the speed limit. It's safe to go a little faster. Got good line of sight. You can actually pass others. And I'm not gloating with that, but the ones that don't have such a good line of sight, they need to get their line of sight right. You don't have to worry as much about being blindsided or having a wreck with good line of sight. That coyote about two o'clock in the morning wished I had a little better line of sight, didn't he, Bruner? <laughs> I never even got my foot off the gas. It didn't end well. It was rough for a wily coyote. Anyway, I had a good line of sight and was trucking on. I had her in the wind. We were trying to get home, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. It, it ended badly for the coyote. Even with good line of sight, you still have to keep your guard up. I guess that's what he's saying right there. Be aware of what's happening around you. but you're still better off than the guy driving around without a good line of sight because his road isn't as good. It's got twists and turns, things that are hard to see around, what we call them a blind curve. You can't see around it. It's got those intersections that you'll stop at and it's hard to get pulled out from. Those are rough. Don't have a good line of sight. It's difficult to get back on the right road, isn't it? That whole thing really sounds like favor of the Lord, doesn't it? Both are on a journey, but one is having a much easier time because somebody prepared the way. Because the road was laid down better. It was marked out better. Somebody put time and thought and work into the travel route. That sounds a whole lot like Jesus. You want to think about it like that, I guess he would be heaven's traffic engineer. And the Holy Ghost would be the guy that fixes the potholes, that puts up the warning signs, and that comes and gets you when the wrecker is needed. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 6 to humble yourself under God's mighty hand and you'll be exalted in due time. Stephen and Jesus both of them before this was written they knew what was on the other side of what looked to be a really big mess it may not look it like God's going to exalt you it may not look like God's going to do anything sometimes it looks like God's taking a nap but think about this. Every bit of life that has ever been, every bit of life that ever will be, has came out of the throne room of heaven. I don't think he's going to leave it unattended. I just don't. It's got to be in his timing. How does that even work? Well, because his ways are so far above our ways it's because his vision is so much better than our vision let me tell you something when you want direction you want the guy 
really high up giving you direction because he can see what's coming a good long ways off. A lot farther than you can see it coming, I promise you. It looks crazy down here. But God's not down here. God's way up there calling those long-range bombardments in for you. Calling those long-range artillery shots in for you. He's wiping out things that you've never even comprehended existed on your behalf. Things that, that you never saw coming that would have took you out, jammed you up, done you some kind of wrong. Those things are eliminated from your life because God can see a good long ways down the road, much farther than you can ever see, and he wants things to work out for your benefit. The Bible talks about sight a whole lot. You had words like vision, looked, saw, blind, all those stuff that mean things with your eyes. And it's mentioned in Scripture over a thousand times. It's pretty important if it's in the Bible that much. Scripture talks about sight, talks about seeing, talks about being blind. So like scripture your carrots they're good for your eyes the little verses they're like those little those little carrot nuggets that Haley likes so much the little short ones she'll go through a bag of them like a rabbit and then you got the big long ones the big long passages those are the ones you cut up and put in your recipes Bible carrots that's pretty good. Dave got up here one time and talked about the taters of God. There's the carrots to go with it. <laughs> We're going to have a crock pot full here in a minute. And that brings me to the next part, too. It talks about being blind in there a lot. You can hurt your eyes. You can do things that are bad for your eyes. Just like your physical eyes, you can do things that will... It'll mess with your spiritual eyes. If you sit in there in the dark, it's going to hurt your eyes if you're staring at like a device screen. That's the picture that God gave me with this. Things get blurred. You have to squint because you're in the dark and you don't have any, any light around you. So... What, what he pointed me to with that was don't get caught here. you got to be careful here. You need some light on around you so you don't damage your eyes. Now you can take your all of your focus and put on that device and stare at it. And if I do that, I get up and my eyes actually feel strained afterwards. That's, that's a rough place to be. Because when your heavenly vision gets strained, when you've not been praying, you got no light around you, that's when things slip in. That's when things creep up on you. So he told me to be careful with that. My, my physical eyes, they were pretty bad at one time. I wore glasses for about 30 years. And we came into a good sum of money when the company I was working for changed hands. 
and I decided to have my eyes operated on. And it was kind of scary. You know, you spend, uh, you spend your whole life trying to keep stuff out of your eyes. And they tell you straight up, we're going to be digging around in your eyes a whole bunch today. But I let something that started out being uncomfortable, I let that in. And my vision was restored. Sometimes God's not really worried about how comfortable you are somewhere. Because he's got a bigger and better thing going on. Sometimes you got to go against what you've been taught, too. I've been told all my life, don't put anything in your eye. That's going to hurt. That's going to be bad. Well, in this instance, it wasn't bad. It worked out pretty good. Megan might tell you a little different. She says, I still can't see. But I'm good with it. It's, it's a lot better than wearing glasses for 30 years and being to the point of not being able to see anything without them. But the point of all that is to tell you that this morning you can take part in a different process. You can maybe work past something that you feel is a little uncomfortable with the Holy Ghost. Maybe let him look into one of those areas that you've been holding back. Maybe look into one of those areas you've been staring at in the dark. You can leave here without that. You can leave here without all of that this morning. That's what he wants. You know, we've told him all morning to have his way in here. You can walk out of here with some new eyes. You never have to look at, the, at, the, at things the same. Holy Ghost, doctor of optometry. He can do that this morning. He can fix that. That LASIK surgery took about 11 minutes, I think. And my eyes were never the same. God can do it in a fraction of a second. Your spiritual eyes will never be the same. Because of where his gaze was, Stephen closed his eyes and fell asleep while his life here was ended. What kind of cool testimony is that? That's got to be worth something. To be able to look past your eventual end in this world God wants that for you. Why? Because your eventual end here isn't really that big of an end. Not if you're doing it right. This is just one very little part of a really long journey. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, God wants to open your eyes this morning. God wants to get your eyes to where they need to be. God wants you to look right at him. He wants to open the heavens up. He wants you to see Jesus. He wants you to look into there. He wants you to be the watchman and peer into there looking forward to it, looking into it so you can speak that out to other people, so you can carry that with you, so you can walk into places and change the atmosphere, so you can take authority over things and say, this is not how this is going to happen. These situations like this, Keith Markham's dad surrounded by prayer, he went in there, didn't he give him a thumbs up, Keith? Hey, what have you got to lose? An old beat down, battered up body? 
Weigh that against looking at Jesus later this afternoon. And there's really nothing that the world can do to you. There's really nothing of any substance or any bearing that can be done to a follower of Jesus Christ other than what God tries to hand you, other than what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, other than moving you in a direction that others will be caught up in, in a wave, so you take them with you. I see my guys getting caught up looking around them. They're trying to figure out where the rocks are coming from. Who threw that one? Oh, I didn't see that one coming. You're right where God wants you to be. I promise. If Stephen had allowed that distraction to get in there, whoo, he might have missed what God wanted to show him. If he'd gotten caught up in the craziness around him, a super personal look at Jesus would have passed him right by. That forced somebody in here this morning. That's how personal God is. He wants you to look right up there. He wants you to look right up there and forget about this stuff coming at you out of left field. He wants you to look right up there, and he sent me here to tell you that this morning, that if you will just put your eyes toward Jesus where they need to be and not worry about what you've got going on, not worry about who's throwing rocks at you, not worry about what people are saying, then God will begin to move. And it's really not going to matter. All that other stuff is really not going to matter because you're going to walk in something like you can't even believe. Whew, yeah, that's good stuff. But if you get caught up in the craziness around you, if you get caught up in those distractions around you, if you get caught up in what the devil is trying to hand you with the look over here and the you'll never do this and the, they said that, You'll miss it. I promise you'll miss it. You'll be so caught up. Mm. Psalms 46.10. Most of you probably know this too. Be still and know that I'm God. The literal translation of it. Let go. Let go and know that I'm God. Anybody ever do hands off when they were little? Let mono hands Riding a bicycle or something? Riding a roller coaster? Try that today. Look, God, no hands. Except for the ones I'm raising up to you. Except where you place them. That's where my hands are going. I've got my hands off of this. I know we went from eyes to hands really quick. But let me tell you something. Your hands are actually mentioned more than any part of your body in the Bible. It talks about your hands and especially where they're placed and what you're doing more than it does any other part of your body. Now, why is that? Because most of the time your hands are into what you're looking at. You don't want to stick them very many places you haven't looked into, do you? The Bible says that put your hands to the plow and look back. You're not really fit for the kingdom of heaven. What does that even mean? It means if you're not looking where you're going with your plow, you're going, you're going to plow a crooked row. You're going to hit a big rock. You're going to bust things up. You're going to make a big mess. You're not going anywhere near where you need to go. Close your eyes back here while your hands are doing something else. 
don't want to put them places that you're not aware of, places that you've not seen. Keep your eyes where they need to be. Your hands will follow suit. Your works. That'd be good stuff. Psalms, Psalms 1 says the righteous man, you know, whatever he put his hands to is going to prosper. None of that will fail. Well, the righteous start with this. And this. Right there is where my hands are, God. You see them? I've got them completely off of this mess. our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.